0: John fifteen, if you would this morning, and I get it John John, John, I, you know, pastor was there for a while, um, and honestly, this is not the direction I was intending. I was looking at the book of Nehemiah, uh, but I couldn't get away from this, and so this is actually a series from Paul Chapel, and uh I purchased it several several months ago and thought I was going to use it, and I didn't, and then the Lord just kept bringing this up. And so, uh, if you would, bear with me. I know Pastor just went through the book of John, um, but I went back, and I actually listened to the texts Or when he was in John 15, so it's been two and a half years. Uh, and in my defense, I was not even here. I was in Saudi Arabia, uh, but I did listen to them on, on the, the Facebook Live, and... Uh, so, But I did this last week. I went back and listened to, uh, I think, the four first in, in John 15. Uh, but I my desire is to take a little bit different route than Pastor did. Obviously, it's the Bible, so there will be some very similar things uh, that Pastor did cover. But I think uh, the idea of abiding in Christ is a critical principle or, or thought for us as Christians. Uh, and so... I, I have this curriculum. I, to be honest, I don't know how much I'll stick to it. Um, but if you would, John 15 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide me, and in I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the true vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into fire, into <clears throat> excuse me the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples." As the Father hath loved me, even so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, how special these verses are to me personally. And I just pray now that you'd bless as we take the moments or the next few moments to look at your word and to uh, look at a few thoughts. And I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage us and strengthen us and uh, do a work in our hearts. Bless each Sunday school teacher. Uh, Throughout this facility, we pray that you would, Lord, give them a Holy Spirit filling. I pray that students would be attentive. And Lord, I pray that each one would get something from the Word of God today that would help them uh, to walk closer to Christ. And Father, we ask for your blessing now this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's thousands of words in the English dictionary. English dictionary. Well, there's probably thousands of English language. Uh, But I don't think the abide is a word that we use a lot. I know I didn't use it a lot this last week. Um, I I don't tend to, I would almost be willing to say the only time I usually use it is when I'm in reference to abiding with Christ or in Christ. And, uh, but it's a a good word. Um, Oftentimes we're too busy. We use things like hurry up and let's go. Uh, I know when you're leaving for church even, come on, let's go. The the clock's ticking, we're going to be late. We have coffee to stop and get, and we can't skip the coffee just because we're going to be late for church. Um, Well, maybe that's just my car. Um, But we tend to use language or vernacular uh, that always keeps us on the go, always keeps us busy. Our society is very busy. Uh, And Webster's defines abide to remain or to settle down and to continue. Uh, When's the last time you settled down? And just took some time to continue with the Lord. Uh, We're in such a rush. And listen, and I'm not being critical of any devotions or anything. You ought to be, I believe you ought to be in your devotions. But oftentimes uh, we have these guided devotionals and we sit down, we read, you know, the half a page or maybe some of them are less uh, that has one verse that kind of links to some basic thought. And that's all we give God for the day is those few fleeting moments I get the impression, based on the scripture that we just read here, these first nine verses, and, and we'll kind of dig at them a little bit more over the coming weeks, but that the idea of abiding in Christ is much deeper than that. And I wasn't going to do that. I'm already deterred from my notes. Go to chapter 13, if you would. Uh, this is, uh, I don't know what's going to happen today, so hold on with me here. But chapter 13, look at verse 36. Verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. And so leading up to this, the disciples have really been told some difficult things, some troubling things, so much so that in chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. These were troubling thoughts to the disciples. These men that had forsook everything, in their lives, they gave up their occupations. They gave up everything to follow Christ. And now he says, I'm leaving, and you're not coming where I'm going. That would be troubling to me. Um, it, to find out that everything that I've committed my life to now is going to be taken away to some extent. Because they didn't fully understand what all was going to take place here. And I, I believe you guys understand all that. I, if you don't understand that, you weren't paying attention when pastor was preaching. Um, You guys are tough. Thanks, Brother Foley. He giggled. um, And then in verse 14, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, uh, believe also in me. And I cannot express to you how significant these verses were to me in my young Christian life. Excuse me. when you understand that the creator of the universe desires you, your presence, he wants to abide with you. And he says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And this is what killed me. Well, I'm alive, but you know what I'm saying. That where I am, there ye may be also. And when I understood that Christ desired my fellowship and to be with me, it was a game changer in my Christian life. Now listen, I have not always been the most faithful to honor God in everything that I've done in my Christian life. And we we talked about last week about erring from the truth, right? I've made mistakes, I've failed. But my first love, we love him because he first loved us. And so always understanding that there was a Savior there, a God there, that would be interested in just me. Insignificant, nobody, Justin DeGarmo. I'm of little stature. Little education. I have really nothing to offer God, but He wanted me. And so I'm not trying to be critical of you all this morning uh, or even of myself, but how serious are you about abiding in Christ? How much effort do you put into uh, continuing with your Savior? If it's just reading a few verses that come in the daily bread and, and that's all you do, I, I submit to you, you're missing out yeah. on the true relationship that the God of heaven desires to have with you. Yeah. Right. He desires a much more intimate relationship uh, than just a surface level. This is uh, bigger stuff. And I, and I trust that over the next few weeks, we'll be able to, uh, to dive into some of that. Um, <clears throat> so I distracted myself, but let's kind of get back to some of the notes here. But can you just hear him? He calls out to each of us to remain with him and to settle down in a relationship with him. We say that all the time. But are we doing it? We're good at saying the right things. But are we doing it? And I'll tell you what, God worked on my heart in camp. I need to be a better husband. I need to honor my wife in a greater level than I do. And because I want to have a greater relationship with her. I learned this week that some of the things that are in our relationship that aren't so great, they're not her fault. They're mine. And so the same is true with our God. He is not the one that is slack. He is not being negligent. He has put forth all the effort to the point of death that he might have that relationship with us. And, and he's just calling out, abide in me. And, and I find it so amazing because it's very profound, but it's extremely simple. Just abide, continue with me, stay with me, walk with me. And, and, it, and it, it really blends in with the entirety of scripture when we hear about God telling the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament that uh, The, the scriptures should be everywhere. When you rise up, when you go to bed, those things should permeate our lives. But oftentimes we're negligent and they, they don't permeate our lives. We're not in the word of God like we ought to be. We, we don't pray like God instructs us to pray in the word of God. And so consequently we have these weak, bare bones relationships with the God of heaven. When if we would settle in and we would continue and abide with him, uh, we could go so much deeper. And I can only imagine what God could accomplish with his people if we would just abide in him. And and part of that, and we'll get to this. I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself, but there's a purging and a cleansing process and all of that. You're not going to be purged and cleansed if you're not abiding. It won't happen. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, you're going to be disconnected. You're going to be grieving the Spirit of God. You won't be able to receive what God has for you. I'm not even on my notes now, so forget it. But a relationship. I've been married 20, 21 21 years. And it takes communication both ways. And we heard that at family camp. God has never neglected to communicate with us. He gave us the creation Even when we look at the creation, we can understand that there is a God and and we can look to him in that aspect, let alone the word of God that we have. And all the things that God's given us, he's trying to communicate with us. But are we reciprocating that? Are we receiving his communication and responding to that by being doers of the word and, and, and hearers of the word? Listen, he wasn't inviting them to a surface relationship. He wasn't suggesting that they just try him out. Boy, I'll I'll try this Jesus thing and see if it works. Uh, See if you might like it. Listen, I'll tell you this. If you try it, I guarantee you're going to like it if you get serious and you're honest about it. Uh, But you can't. I mean, the love of Christ constrains us. It will just draw you in. He has something great for us to enjoy. and Listen, He wants us to have the abundant life. He doesn't want us just to get by. But how content are we to just get by? From day to day, we just show up and we, you know, we say our quick prayers and we read our quick devotional and, and we're okay with and being content with just the status quo. He wants a deep, intimate relationship. Listen, a life-changing relationship. I'm not the same man I was when I married Cindy. She's changed me for the better. She's caused I don't do certain things because I know it would offend her and it would hurt her. And so our relationship with our God will change our conduct and how we act. And if that's not the case in your life, you're not there. Listen, you might need to examine your salvation. But back to our our text. Verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Of all the possible relationships in the world, there is none to be preferred over a relationship with Jesus Christ. I love Cindy to death. Sometimes I want to kill her, but um, (laughs) her relationship is second to my God. Uh, There's things that only he can do for me. No one could do that but Christ. His presence can bring what no human can provide. Uh, There's a peace and a comfort knowing that your Savior is near. It's comforting to come home after a deployment or a TDY and and to be with my wife. Uh, But all while I'm gone, I have Christ. (laughs) He's everywhere. And uh, there's just something about having our Savior with us and when we abide in Him uh, it's just an amazing thing, but Jesus is the I am. So the first two words there, it says I am. Uh, Jesus is, I believe, presenting himself uh, <clears throat> is not presenting himself uh, as merely another way or an optional religion. Uh, the words are these words I am are significant in the Bible. Uh, so he we in early in Scripture we see examples of this, and God Himself used these words to declare He is. Uh, Very simply, he is, uh, as the great I am, he is everything we need. And Exodus 3.14 says this, And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. When he saith, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, hath sent me. So when Jesus says here, I am the true vine, he was claiming his deity. Uh, Notice that Jesus used this powerful phrase throughout the book of John. Uh, He says this many times. John 6.35 is, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. John 10, 9, I am the door. And then John 14, 6, which we're all very familiar with. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so the I am, uh, these are definitive definitive statements of Christ. They're powerful and they're exclusive. There is no other way. He is the I am. His claims are supreme. Uh, when you enter His presence, you are entering to the presence, of the greatest presence in the universe, uh, God Himself. Uh, he's the true vine. The word "true" means the genuine or the authentic. Uh, he's the real deal, if you will. There's there, there's fakes out there. There's self proclaimed saviors and man made religions abound. Uh, they're really everywhere. Uh, atheism is a man made religion. I would even say they they try to. Say it's not, but the reality is it is. Um, Jesus is the truth. And so if we are branches and we want to gain sustenance and life from the vine, we must abide in the true vine. Uh, We need to be in the true vine. Some say it doesn't matter which vine you abide in or which religion you're a part of. Makes no difference, right? As long as you're sincerely believing As long as you're just being sincere about it, it doesn't matter what you believe. But sadly, people today believe in all sorts of strange things. Listen, many people are religious, counting beads. Some of them are even confessing sin. And following strict traditions that the church has put in in place. Yet without Christ, they are abiding in false vines. He's the true vine, the one and only true vine. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There is no other way. He's the authentic, true vine, and, and we ought to be sharing this. Believers share the life of the vine. Uh, Jesus gives the analogy here about the vine. The branches represent uh, the lives of the believers, people who uh, share life in the vine. So, this morning, before we really go any further, do you know for sure that you're fixed to the true vine? Do you know Christ is your only Savior? It's Christ and nothing else. Uh, You don't have to be a good person. And I was talking to somebody recently, and they were struggling with that. Well, what if I've done things that were just so bad? And I reminded them, God saved murderers. God saves them all. And oftentimes, we are the ones that come up with these levels and degrees of sin. Because in Revelations 21.8, I love how it tacks on all liars in that list of things that we would all consider terrible things. And we would be very judgmental and critical of anybody that committed those things. But every single one of us in here this morning, I believe, has probably lied. And so when God looks at that, He's willing to forgive the, the white lie that we would consider it, and He's willing to forgive the murderer. That's our God. But are you connected to the true vine? Or are you trying to trust in a false vine, something else? It's Christ and Christ alone. Listen, we draw our strength from the vine, our sustenance uh, from Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the world. Uh, He lived a sinless life. What a blessing to know. Uh, Christ came and He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, He shed His blood, and praise God, he, He rose again from the dead that we might be justified and so it, what a great privilege to enter in a relationship with him and so this morning if you don't know christ you're not in the vine uh, you must be uh, grafted in if you will uh, to the true vine into christ uh, you must receive him as your savior uh, listen without christ you're going to hell you're under condemnation the wages of sin is death And you need a Savior. Uh, But listen, it's such exciting to know that Christ died for you. He took that penalty that was yours. That you might, what an amazing thought, that you might enter into a relationship with Him. And live on this earth in an abundant life, a blessed life. He gave his life that you might, I mean, how could you not get excited? About it? I'm not a hooper and hollerer, but inside I'm running a lap. Amen. Maybe if I spent a little more time, then, you know, maybe I've only been in the South maybe about a year of my life total, maybe a year and a half, but maybe if I was down there a little longer, it would rub off on me, but I'm just not there. And uh, the All ins are here this morning. They're going to find out today our church is about as, as active as any. Um, uh, so. Well, Pray God blesses our service this morning. Amen. Listen, it may seem so simplistic to say, but before you can enter into a relationship with someone, you must take the step to enter into a you must take the step to enter into a relationship at all. Mm-hmm. Listen, before you can abide in your home, your house, you must enter that home. Mm-hmm. You've got to open the door and enter in and the, the only door To a relationship with God, to have eternal life, to have an eternal relationship with God is through Christ. He is the door. There's no other way. And it's through his faith in his finished work. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Boy, you just have to receive the gift. There is no greater example of a love relationship than Christ in the world. His love drove him to action. You must abide in Christ. It all begins at putting your faith in Him. But after salvation, how can we continue to abide in Christ? And very simple, practical things that I'm afraid to even bring them up because oftentimes we say them regularly. But I'm convinced, based on what I observe in Christianity, that we're not doing it. Because we lack power. We lack God's presence. When God has given us the recipe that if you would do these things, if you would abide in me, if you would continue with me, I will bless you. I will pour out a blessing that you can't even receive. But here we are muddling along half the time. And I think it's because we're negligent. So here's some, just a couple simple things. Are you regularly reading and studying your Bible? And as I said, I'm talking more than just the little devotional. Listen, I'm talking more than just reading through your Bible in a year. And and again, I'm not being critical of any of those things. I've read my Bible through um, uh, many times. I don't always read it through every year. Because sometimes I'm distracted with other studies that I'm trying to do. Uh, But I've done that. And I'm not being critical. I think everybody ought to read their Bibles through. But what I'm getting at is, are you so focused on hitting that check mark that you're missing what God's trying to tell you as you do read that? I can't tell you how many times I've been trying to keep my reading schedule. And I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm reading. And I'll get a a chapter into this thing and I'll realize I don't have a clue what what I read. My mind has been wandering. I haven't been focused. I know I was there, but I wasn't abiding in Christ. I I wasn't continuing with him. I wasn't slowing down and asking God, give me something in this. So are you studying? Are you even reading it? Let's start with that. When you spend time with God's word, you're spending time with God. In the presence of the creator of the universe, when you open the words of scripture. And again, he's wanting to speak to you. He has a word just for you in that moment of time that you need it. But if you're just doing it out of duty or negligence rather than out of trying to deepen and abide and and continue in him and to strengthen that relationship, you're going to miss it. You ought to be in your Bible. It's alive and powerful. Uh, it, it, it's quick, the, the Word of God tells us. And, and if you would just get in it, and listen, I know, listen, I, I've been there. Sometimes it's, it feels like work. It's a struggle. And when it's like that, sometimes you don't want to do it. Continue. Yeah. Stay faithful. Yeah. Commit to it. And, and so if you are in a dry season in your Christian life, and you're, you're having a hard time, and you just feel like you're not getting with it, or getting anything from it, continue to do it. Because it might be the next page over that God has something amazing for you. And if you quit, you're not going to get it. I'll be, I mean, let's be real, right? It's not always great. But how many have experienced when the words just jump off the page and prick your heart and that's exactly what you needed? Boy, that's just what Justin DeGarmo needed today. But if you don't continue, if you don't abide, if you don't carry on with it and put forth the effort, that will never happen. And then you'll just have to wait for the chastening of the Lord to come. So He can come slap you upside the face and tell you to read your Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When you get in the Word, you're communing with God Himself. Do you abide with him in prayer? <clears throat> prayer is asking God, and we can ask boldly according to his will. He desires to hear and answer your prayer today. Good. Do you believe that? I don't think we approach the throne of grace with that mindset. I think we're negligent in our prayer life. We don't invest the time. And listen, we sing the song "Sweet Hour of Prayer," and an hour is a long time in prayer. And I don't think you need to spend an hour every time you pray, because the Word of God says, "Pray without ceasing." You. Uh, so that's longer than an hour, I would say. Anybody understand what ceasing without ceasing means? It means don't stop, don't quit. Boy, when you're tired, don't just lay down and go to sleep. Listen, prayer is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Because I, I, I don't know why I'm so candid sometimes. I was praying the other day. In, we have a little study or an office in our house and Cindy got me this fabulous armchair and it's, it's pretty comfortable. <laughs> and I've been known to maybe have long blinks in the chair <laughs> but so I went in there and I was, I was trying to pray and, and sometimes I'll get on my knees because it seems to help I fell asleep on my knees too so I don't, I don't, I don't think the position is, is all that important sometimes but, but I was trying to pray and God kept saying what about this and I didn't want to deal with it but I had some things I wanted God to do I was praying. I was asking God to do some things. And God kept saying, hey, Justin, what about this thing right here? And you know what I wanted to do? Get up and quit praying. But that's not abiding. When the Holy Spirit comes and and, and he pricks your heart and says, you need to deal with this. It's hard work. And so what do you got to do? Wrestle with God for a little bit is what I did for a while. But then you just yield and submit to God and say, all right, Lord, you're right. Forgive me. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. And I can't even remember it all because I'm such a failure. But once you deal with that, that God brings to your mind, sin, whatever the case may be, you know what? The prayer time is so much sweeter. And you can have confidence that you've gone before the throne of grace with a clear conscience, knowing that your God loves you and he desires to answer your prayer. Now, the answer might not be the one that I want or that you want. But listen, as you deepen that relationship with him and you deal with those things that he brings out in your prayer life and you continue in prayer, you abide in Christ and the Holy Spirit in those things, your relationship will get deeper and you'll be more content with however God answers that prayer than you ever would have been if you did it your way. That's how relationships work. If we did everything my way in our home, our home would be a mess. My wife keeps me grounded. So are you abiding in prayer? James 4 eight. draw nigh to God. Look what it says here. And he... Will, not maybe, not possibly. He will draw nigh to you. And of course, it goes on: cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Sometimes, when we get in the uh, the sweet hour of prayer, we need to be willing to deal with those things that God has brought up in our life. And it, it, listen, it can be hard. It can be difficult because we love our flesh. Our flesh glories in those things. Uh, stubbornness in, in those things. Here's one. We're not going to get anywhere near this through this, these little notes here, but did you know you can abide in Christ through trials? And, and again, I, some of these things are, are kind of interesting because I know we were just in James and we talked uh, quite a bit about those things, but uh, the reality is I think there's many people in our church going through it right now. And so and that might be why it's a reoccurring theme in, in some of the messages Uh, The Bible is clear that the trials of our faith can become immeasurable precious if we draw, it it will draw us closer to God. Uh, 1 Peter 1.7 That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Listen, the things that you face they ought to be drawing you into a greater relationship with Christ. Boy, when God blesses and things are great, right. praise Him. Boy, God, you're good. Hey, when things aren't so good, what do we need to do? Draw nearer to Him in prayer. Lord, I need your help. These things are unbearable. I cannot do this. We, we read the verse, without me, you can't do anything, nothing. No thing. I don't know what that means to you, but that means to me I can't even breathe. Nothing. So when you're going through it, draw near to him. He's doing a work. Listen, people that don't know the Lord intimately often turn to alcohol, drugs, some other type of sin some type of vice in their life. Uh, they have all kinds of struggles, uh, and it, it's really nothing new. It's, you know, it's the sin nature. But they turn to those things that kind of cope with the hardships of life. But we have an opportunity in Christ, through our trials, to draw closer and closer and have a more abiding walk with the Lord. That he would purify us and cleanse us through those things. Uh, Listen, he's the comforter. And don't ever forget, he understands your burdens and your trials. He's been through it, he's experienced it as he walked this earth. I'll close with this illustration here. In the old Western days, a man was walking down the road carrying a bag of grain on his shoulders, another man was riding along the road in a buckboard pulled by a horse. He came up beside the man carrying the grain and said, Jump up here on the buckboard with me. It's too hot to be walking today. The man said, Thank you, and got up on the seat uh, with his grain still on his shoulder. After a while, the driver said, Why don't you put that grain down and relax? The passenger said, Oh, no. It's enough that you would allow me to ride. I would never ask you to carry my load, too. How ridiculous. It's on his shoulder. He's carried but he won't put it down in that buckboard. I believe this is what many Christians do. Lord, I know you can save me and forgive me my sins, give me a home in heaven, but I wouldn't ask you to carry my load too. God wants to abide with you. He wants to carry your load. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But what do we do? We hinder our relationship with our Savior because we won't cast all our cares on him. We try to keep it on our shoulder and we're just along for the ride. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word and Lord, thank you for the encouragement this was and I pray, Lord, that you bless now as we take the next several weeks to look at these verses in John 15. I ask, Lord, for your wisdom. And clear direction. And Father, we pray that you'd bless. I pray that each one in this room would abide in Christ. Lord, that we would put forth the effort necessary that we might have a sincere and close walk with Thee. Lord, we know You desire it. Help us, Lord. We need You. We thank You for today. We pray that You'd bless the morning service. We ask that You would be with our preacher, filled with the Spirit, Lord. We pray that You'd meet with us in a special way, Lord, and we ask that You would do only that You can, that You would save sinners. Lord, that you would stir the saints today that we might walk closer to you and we'll give you the glory for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.